Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 11 The Conceit Dearie me, where do I start with this one? My phone died on me as I was trying to go home, an unsuccessful attempt if ever there was one. I'm no sipping on my dad's brew like I wanted. I never managed to escape. Let's face it, it wasn't like I was actually going to walk all the way to my dad's. It's at least 50 miles. And without my phone to call him, my plans had pretty much gone to shite. But now, onto the more curious thing. Where had Reed come from? Well, turns out as soon as Reed had gone to the shop that day, he'd began to feel something was wrong. He thought it was just his imagination, and so carried on, until my usual time when I didn't turn up. He'd asked Finn where I was, but obviously I'd told no one where I was going. Reed couldn't shake this feeling, like a tightness in his chest. The hings were any right. He left the shop without another word, and as soon as he got outside, said he saw something red on the ground, like a piece of string. Except there was no spool or bolly wool. This didn't have an end. It kept going up the pavement, as though someone had spray painted it onto the ground, until it disappeared round a corner. He wanted to follow. Knew he had to. And so his feet had carried him to that rainy road where I was trying to walk home. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was having a major flaky about the shop, about my lackey future and loss of free will. I wasn't hinking straight. Reed didn't know any of this at the time. He'd no been there when Finn had told me what he knew. I repeated everything to Reed when it was clear he wasn't going to leave me to walk 50 miles in the pissing rain. I began to greet like a wee bairn. He stood and looked awkward for too long. He did something he's never done before. He agreed with me. Not about the running away, but about it no being fair. He couldn't imagine knowing for a fact how his life was going to turn out. Then he paused, frowned, and continued with the only thing I needed to hear. I wasn't going to be alone. I'd have him, Finn, and more especially the medical cat, Kronos, as well as the ability to do what most people can only dream of. Power and abilities confined to the pages of books. I'd been gained the opportunity to do something meaningful with my life, to make a difference. To have knowledge very few were privileged to have. He made this madam hing sound a lot more glamorous than what I'd seen. The annoying hing was it worked. I calmed down, and eventually, after some more reassurances, I agreed to give up on running. I realised that the universe, and whatever powers there are, didn't want me leaving. No for the last time. I'm obviously no getting a choice. I can't say I wasn't tempted by Reed's version of things. 
Who wouldn't want to be practically omnipotent? I suppose there always has to be a sacrifice. In exchange for all the glamour of being a madam, my life wasn't my own. If I look for a silver lining, I suppose this means I'll never go through a phase of finding myself in my mid-twenties, which will save my bank account. I didn't want my episode to be common knowledge, so I gathered up the courage to go into the shop the next day, as though nothing had happened. Except that the madam was back, and she was waiting for me. After her polite greeting, she invited me upstairs. When I asked if there was a customer, she told me there wasn't, before sauntering off. I knew it was too late to run. She knew. Hurry all people must know what I tried to do. I knew she was going to give me a bollocking. Solemnly, I followed her up the stairs and into the front room where the tea was already waiting. By instinct, or perhaps I wanted something to cower behind, I sat beside the coffee table whilst my boss took up her usual place. That sofa must have her arse cheeks imprinted in them she sits in the same place so often. But the magic was back. For the way the light filtered through the windows to the smelly tea, herbs and comfort. The front room wasn't just any old room. It was a refuge. A place where whatever strange troubles people had couldn't find them. Unfortunately, my trouble wasn't strange. It was sitting calmly, waiting for the tea to brew. I needed two hands to pour. No because it was heavy, but because my hands had begun to shake. What would she do to me? How would she punish me? I wasn't stupid. Just because she helps customers doesn't mean she can't hurt them. I didn't have the protection of a customer. I was the errant apprentice. Christ knew what she had in store for me. My breathing became shallow. I hope you enjoyed your walk in the rain, was all she said as she took her first delicate sip. An apology fell from my mouth as easily as my lie did to that woman at the bus terminal. I'm not sure if I was sorry for you running or sorry for failing. Maybe she was the only one who really knew. What with that mind reading of hers? Her level gaze inspected me. For the truth, for insincerity, I'll never know. She calmly sipped her tea once again before informing me that I didn't need to apologise and that there were few people in the world who didn't run away for their responsibilities at some point. This was said with a bitter wistfulness that made me think it was more a personal reflection than a general one. I took the chance and checked if she'd ever done the same. She gave me a wry smile before taking another slow, sippy tea. It is more difficult than people realise to know for certain what their future holds. It brings dreams and aspirations to an end and removes the mystery of life, along with the excitement of the unknown, she confessed. I felt like asking her if she ever got used to it. Or when she grew to accept it. I still have me. I have hope that maybe I can be the one who gets away. Although what she told me next makes me more doubtful in that. I questioned why I hadn't been able to leave. Why everything I tried to do turned to shite. 
Madam Norna had left the shop for days, going Christ knew where, and she didn't seem to have a problem. I obviously didn't bring that up, but still, talk about double standards. We are allowed to leave the city and the shop. The reason I'd had a cosmic travel ban foisted on me was because I didn't have the intention of coming back. I was reminded, once more, that I was in the shop because I needed to be there. If I wanted to change that, the forces that be would find a way to put me on the right path again. Good thing these forces didn't have a face where I can plant my fist. Although brief, our conversation was more than just factually informative. Through the sly smiles and sipsy tea, I thought I caught a glimpse of a more human, more mortal side of the madam. The curtain of our mysteriousness was drawn back a wee bit until I could see the person she was before she was Madame Norna. The nameless woman who, like me, had been in the same situation, staring doing the battle of the future, knowing exactly what it was going to be. She was right. People visit these soothsayers, psychics and mediums and ask questions about their future. Everyone's desperate to know thinking it'll give them the upper hand. I can tell you, without a wordy a lie, it's shite. Knowing that your life is going to end up one way, knowing you didn't really have a choice, is one of the worst things in the world. The madam stopped her cup midway to her mouth. A knowing smile graced her features as she hoped, aloud, if the customer liked strong tea. I checked myself. I hadn't heard the bell going. A few seconds later, there it was, distant and resonant, chiming its way up the stairs. I went to stand up, but the madam shook her heed and said Finn would bring them up. Sure enough, he appeared at the door, a youngish lassie in tow. She was tall, a giant proportions with the heels she wore. Her honey blonde hair was tied neatly at the nape of her neck and her round hazelnut brown eyes roamed around every surface and shelf in the front room. It was as I began to look closer that I saw what I thought were tinges of red skin creeping their way up her neck and peeking out from beneath the cuffs of her blazer. Finn didn't stay and retreated back down to the shop after throwing me a cheeky smile. My boss let the woman settle down on the sofa for a few minutes, before asking the scripted question of what the problem was. The lassie had already taken off her blazer and laid it over her knees, but knew she began to unbutton the cuffs of her blouse and roll them up to her elbows. This revealed a vicious crimson rash that engulfed her entire forearm like mould in a damp corner. As I'd glimpsed when she'd come in, the rash wasn't just confined to her arm, it started eating away at her shoulder and collarbone, reaching its way to her neck. Every visible inchy skin from fingertips to shoulder was red raw, as though someone had thrown boiling water over her a few hours ago. I felt pain just by looking at the damn thing. I eventually remembered myself and forced my eyes to stop staring. She told us both that it wouldn't go away and that everything the doctors had given her hadn't worked. The madam asked what I thought was a stupid question. Was the rash painful? 
To my surprise, the lassie shook her head and said it was occasionally itchy, but that it looked worse than it was. She couldn't be serious. I mean, you should have seen this rash. It looked like she could have been an extra in a zombie film. After a few moments of contemplation, my boss announced that she had just the remedy, but required a price. My attention was snapped away from the burn-like rash, and I trained my gaze on her, wondering what this price was going to be. Her firstborn, her future career prospects, her chances of becoming a millionaire. It was the lassie's reaction that jolted me from my joy. Usually they jump at the chance to be cured, or to have their problems solved. No price is too great. But this lassie was different. She gazed at Madame Norna with weary eyes, and the slow nod of her heed had an impression of hesitancy. My boss told her that she had a cream, although she called it a salve, that would heal the rash, but the scars would remain. They'd never disappear, and the lassie'd have to live with them for the rest of her life. I thought that was pretty tame. The rash looked so bad I doubt any treatment would have cured her skin completely. Her retort wasn't what I was expecting though. Did the madam really expect her to live with the scars for the rest of her life? She snapped with outrage at the madam, as if even the suggestion was an insult. Calm as ever, my boss explained to her that the rash would slowly engulf her entire body giving the chance and that it had grown since the lassie first noticed. The lassie gear arms a desperate glance, acknowledgement glistening in her eyes. The madam, as usual, was right. Eventually the lassie agreed to Madame Norna's cure, but her tone made it clear she wasn't happy about it. You'd have thought someone was twisting her arm up her back. Preemptively, I'd stood up, I was hoping by now that my legs would get used to sitting cross-legged. But every time it's either one of my feet or even an arse cheek that decides it's going to go to sleep. My boss instructed me to go into the cabinet of horrors and wonders to find a box. On the lid would be an engraving of a frog. I swear I always see something new in that cabinet every time I go in. But nothing ever seems out of place. How my boss remembers where everything is, or even the contents, is another mystery to add to the pile. The box wasn't big, and was more cylindrical in shape. It was heavier than I'd been expecting. I placed it on the table, between the lassie and the madam. The instructions were to put the salve on at night, before the lassie went to bed, for five nights. After that the rash would be gone, but the scars still remain. Every word was articulated carefully, as if trying to press a point. The lassie leaned over and grabbed the box, flicking the lid open carelessly, grimacing at the contents, before closing it and stuffing it in her handbag. She stood up, ready to leave. She thanked my boss, and her final comment was that laser surgery was really amazing for minimising scars. My boss acknowledged this with a nod I knew too well. There was no amount of laser surgery going to remove those scars. 
After I heard the door to the shop close, I turned my attention to the madam and arched my eyebrow. Her vanity was the answer. Someone has decided to punish our fate. There's an awful lot of punishing being done to people recently. That lassie who had an affair with a married man, I knew this lassie for being vain. Someone's a bit harsh to me. I mean, who's not a wee bit vain? Especially these days. I thought that was an end to it. The problem had been diagnosed, a solution given and a price taken. But apparently, the universe wasn't satisfied just yet. A day or two after this lassie had come in and gone away relatively happy, we had another visitor. I say visitor because this person was by no means a customer. It was just the three of us in the shop, Reed, Kronos and I, wasting the time away as usual, when the bell jangled and a lad came in. Now, I'm no judge of attractiveness, but this lad wasn't bad to look at. It was like a photoshopped model fell out of a magazine and walked into the shop. He strode over to the counter where we were all gathered, determination causing his perfect brows to draw together. I'm here to see the madam, he announced with a confidence that took me by surprise. It's usually said, if uttered at all, we doubt and trepidation. But this lad wasn't any of those things. I observed the lad, although man may be the better word. He wouldn't have looked out a place in a museum where they kept the ancient and chiselled Greek and Roman statues. It was like he just stepped off the plinth, discarded the cleverly placed toga, replaced it with modern clothes and waltzed into the shop. Before I could say anything, Reed interrupted by asking why he wanted to see the madam. I felt my eyebrow rise in confusion. Since when did Reed bother talking to the customers? I gave him a quick look, saw the tense shoulders and furrowed brow. I was sure this Greek statue was near a customer. He also didn't have any manners because he snapped waspishly at Reed that it wasn't any of his business. Prick. I was about to attempt my own inquiry when I caught a glimpse of the private door opening and the madam appearing from behind it. I would appreciate if you did not agitate my subordinates. She directed at the statue with a coldness I'd never heard before. It may have been said in our usual velvety tones, but that didn't prevent it from having a sharp edge. He rounded on the madam quickly, accusing her of interfering in a lesson when she had no right to. During his outburst, he sporadically jumped in a nutty focus. I knew no real human could look like that. The madam shrugged gracefully and said that the lassie had come to her for help and that he had no right to try and interfere in that. I was only briefly confused before I realised she must have meant the lassie for the previous day, the one with the vicious rash up and down her arms. My boss's reply made him angrier and stated that the lassie's punishment hadn't been over. Punishment? Began to feel that this story couldn't end well. Who would voluntarily scar someone like that? What had she done to deserve that? And who did this lad think he was that he had a right to do it? I blurted the same thing in the moment, as usual. He deigned to give me an answer, 
and told me that he was the lad she'd broken up way because he hadn't met her high standards. He had a bad case of the nice guy syndrome if ever I saw one. I'll never understand why some people can never accept that relationships, of any kind, didn't always last. I didn't know the full story, but I couldn't imagine it was bad enough to warrant what he'd obviously done to her. My question didn't distract him for long, and he went so far as to order the madam to take back her help. What a bobag! But by the icy look on my boss's face, I got the impression she'd rather bite off her own tongue than do what he wanted. A sinister smile, not unlike the one I'd seen on a certain other powerful woman I'll no mention, tugged at her lips. She told the statue that amphibians were in no position to demand anything of a madam, and that it was time for him to leave. It may have been said like usual, calm and collected, but my arse was sweating. There was not going to be a refusal. Her comment got me thinking, though. Wasn't amphibian a fancy word for a toad or a frog? I inspected this visitor, this chiselled specimen, and wondered if that fairy tale about the lassie kissing all of those frogs could, in fact, be true. If Reed was a fox, thin yet unidentified, I suppose there's no reason a model couldn't be a toad. He certainly acted like one. It couldn't be a coincidence that the box the lassie had been gained to treat the rash had a frog ingrained on the lid. Christ, is everyone I meet a shapeshifter these days? Rude he may have been, but he wasn't stupid. Knowing he wasn't going to win in a fight against Madame Norna, he retreated and left the shop, unsatisfied and bitter. I thought that might be the end of the matter, until today. Reed and I were in the shop, as always, sorting out one of the bookshelves, when I noticed, peeking out for the cuffiest shirt, something disturbingly familiar. I grabbed his arm and inspected the skin on his wrist, concluding it was the same rash the lassie had. The weirder thing was, just as I began to touch it, the skin rippled almost melted, until it was back to normal, no red rash in sight. For a moment I thought I'd imagined it, but when Reed whipped back his arm and asked me how I'd got rid of it, I became even more confused. Turns out he'd woken up with this rash, and had thought nothing of it, assumed it'd go away in time. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't triumphant over my familiar, knowing something that he didn't. I tried to keep the pride out of my tone when I informed him the lad for yesterday had done to him what he'd done to his ex. That left the question of why it had disappeared, when I thought the only way it could was a secret salve for the madam. On cue she appeared at the door, knowing all about our conversation and Reed's parting gift for the toad. She told us both that I'd repelled the curse, and that apparently I've always been able to do it. Ever since I'd walked into the shop, that is. One touch and any curse, enchantment or charm broke. I've thought about this since, and it all makes sense now. When Michelle was about to be taken by the weirdo in the club, I'd touched her and she'd snapped out of it. When the lassie had come in a few months back, unable to fend off the attentions of men, I'd touched Finn and he too had been released. 
as great as this is, it left me with an uncomfortable realisation. If I cured Reed of the toad's gift with just a touch, why couldn't I have done that to the lassie? Why did she have to carry round a scar for the rest of her life when I could have prevented it? My boss must have noticed my thoughts and added that my ability wouldn't work on everything. Sinisterly, she told me to remember that. That sounds like a bad omen if ever I heard one. I wouldn't have been able to heal the lassie because I wasn't meant to. She was being punished for her vanity. Is this how the world works? Your ex having the ability to scar you for life? It's difficult to know what to make of the situation no knowing everything. I still didn't feel the punishment matches the crime, if there even was one. Vanity may be a flaw, but I can think of worse things for a person to be. There's probably more to this story that I'll never know, but I certainly hate frogs more now. We are allowed to leave the site. Although brief, our conversation was more than just factually informative. <laughs> I thought I'd, I thought I'd put some stupid word like informatively. No. It was as I began to look closer. <coughs> closer, closer. <laughs> she told us both that it wouldn't go away. And that everything the doctors had given her had had bleh 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 bleh. And the lassie'd have to live with them bleh bleh bleh. The madam shrugged gracefully and said that the lassie had come shit. Eventually the lassie agreed to him Adam. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> oh, this is painful. Why is everything uphill struggle today? Thank you for listening to episode 11 of The Antique Shop. Episode 12 will be released in two weeks. Yes, a small sneaky announcement. I have only just decided to alter the release of the antique shop. As a lot of you may have gleaned from the Q&A sessions, my PhD is starting to get really busy and I am about four or five months away from submission. So I'm having to spend a lot more time doing my PhD than I was previously. And I'm finding that I can no longer keep up with the weekly release of the antique shop episodes. So I've decided to do it bi-weekly instead of um, weekly. So yeah, unfortunately, it is better for me to do bi-weekly now because I just don't have the time to dedicate to the podcast that I used to do. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you tune in in two weeks' time.